The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. I just feel there's such a connection in serving the poor. I have seen the eyes of God and the beauty of God in the poor, and I've seen it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's just such a joy to walk with the poor. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person and our guest, Peter Durasami, Chief Executive Officer of Scott Mission in Toronto. I'm Wayne Shepherd. These conversations are meant to encourage you in your daily faith as they tell the stories of people who are giving their lives to the Lord and learning to follow Him in a unique calling. If you're not a regular listener, you may want to go back through our archive to review previous interviews from people from all walks of life. You'll find our podcasts at iTunes and with various podcast apps, and our website also contains an archive that's found at firstpersoninterview.com. There's also a smartphone app you can use called First Person Interview in your app store. And thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company for helping make First Person possible. FEBC has an incredible ministry of proclaiming the gospel in many countries of the world and reaches millions of people each and every day. Learn how to pray for FEBC's ministry by visiting febc.org and clicking on the Pray button, febc.org. Peter Durasami is the CEO of Scott Mission in Toronto, an inner-city ministry serving that international city. Peter and I sat down recently to talk about his calling. It's great, uh, Wayne, to be here. The Lord has called me at this moment to be at the Scott Mission. And the Scott Mission is an inner-city, urban, Christian organization. It's been there for 77 years. In Toronto, Canada? Right in Toronto, Canada, uh, and right downtown. It's a beautiful organization. It's a Christian organization. Uh, it, it's a ministry of uh, mercy and love to those, those who are so much in need. Mm. So I've been honored to be there for 30 years. Uh, all the times I've been in Canada, wow, uh, I've been there and, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying every bit of yeah. it. We'll get to the story of how you started at Scott Mission later. But talk to me about Toronto and the inner city of Toronto. It's a very international city, I know. But they're, like any inner city, there's a lot of great need, isn't there? Yeah, Toronto is a beautiful city. I love Toronto. I've traveled to different nations, but I want to come back to Toronto. I just love that city. Uh, it's 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 one of the most multicultural city. Uh, when you travel in the subway and you just just listen, you can listen to various nationalities and various languages, uh, various people groups. It's just amazing. It's literally heaven on earth. Mm. Uh, the languages, the food, uh, the culture. It's just amazing. And also living in harmony together in a city like that is amazing. Uh, but there's so much of need in, in Toronto. Uh, the the poor, the homelessness, the addiction issues, the mental illness, broken families. Mm. It trickles down. What's happening in the society trickles down to the streets. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see the rawness of brokenness. And it's, it's just amazing that God has given us the privilege in it's got mission to take care of these people. Mm, I know God's given you a big heart for that. We'll talk more about that, but I want your story here on First Person because you've lived in Canada, what, a mere 30 years? Yes. <laughs> Where did you come from? Uh, I'm from, I came from India, Wayne. Uh, came to Canada in 1989. Um, I grew up in India. I grew up in a beautiful home. Mom, dad, and eight brothers and sisters. 
I was the eighth, uh, the last. Uh, you were the tail end. Huh? I was, and I was spoiled. Uh, I was the baby of the family. And my brothers and sisters spoiled me. My mom and dad spoiled me, hmm. and I didn't mind that at all. <laughs> uh, we had a had a wonderful Christian home. I went to Sunday school, went to church, went to, you know, uh, we sat around the piano every Sunday and sang songs. We had devotions every week. So I really had a, a beautiful home growing up. But as it more into my how I came to know the Lord and as I grew into my teenage years, that's when I started questioning uh, whether Jesus Christ is real. I went through a crisis in my own personal life and I uh, tried praying. Like how I knew, I tried praying, but I knew my prayers were not going over the rooftop. Hmm. And all of a sudden I, I recognized I don't know whom I'm talking to. And is there somebody really up there? And to answer the question, I knew there is a God upstairs, but I wasn't convinced it has to be Jesus because I was born in a Christian family. I, I was brought up in a Christian home. My question was, why can't it be Allah? Why can't it be Krishna? Why can't it be the thousands of gods? Well, in India, you uh, had many to choose from, didn't you? When we had a, a tons of people. It's a buffet of gods, I guess. And, and I was really searching, why can't it be any one of those gods? I tried reading the Bible. Uh, it didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. I, and uh, my sister knew the Lord. And uh, she said, why didn't you come to a camp? It was a Methodist church, and they were going for a camp. So I said, okay, I'll come. And I went to the camp, and um, there were people sharing the testimonies. It really touched me, and I knew what they were sharing about their relationship with God was real. But I knew I didn't have it. I didn't have it. And they came and said, why don't we pray for you? And I stopped them from praying because I was angry with God. Mm -hmm. I mean, they knew God, but I don't know this God. So there was a fight going on within me about this God, whom I couldn't deny that these people knew their God. But it was during a communion service right in the end of the camp. That's when I, I gave myself and said, God, I give myself to you. In a very simple way, I said, Lord, forgive me. Just come in. I just handed over. But it was really, it wasn't me reaching out to God. It was God reaching out to me. Mm -hmm. That's the power of the gospel for me. Right. It, he just came so powerfully. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, so I didn't have much of any addiction issues, uh, any of that. But there was so much uh, chains falling off, if I can mm. use that phrase. Wow. There was such a peace that came upon me. And that experience was very, very, very genuine. Uh, no looking back after that. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'll never look back. <laughs> but what? What? I was an. I'm an accountant by profession. I was doing my CA at that point. For me, two two plus two is four, and I need proof. <laughs> so <laughs> that one experience wasn't enough. And I said, Lord, I need to know. I need to know for sure that you are real. So that was 1977 in the month of May that I had that experience with God, and it took me two years from 77 to 79, that I challenged God. I said, Lord, if you're real, prove it to me. Mm. I want to know if you're real. And um, 77 to 79, I I was, uh, God just showed up, Wayne. I, I saw this lame walk. I saw the blind see. Mm. Uh, I'll get into a crowded bus in India. You've seen crowded buses yeah, in India. They're all crowded. Aren't they? <laughs> they're all so crowded. I mean, you, uh, there's no place to stand. And I'll be so tired coming from work. And I'll say, God, uh, give me a seat. And there'll be an empty seat in the bus. And normally when there's an empty seat, people around will sit. But nobody will be sitting and he'll say, here's your seat. Mm -hmm. 
So there was um, so even in those little things, you saw them as God answering your prayers. It was the little things uh, when more than the big things. Well, uh, I'll it? ask for I lose my key, and I'll say, "God, show me where's the key." And he'll say, "Look at this particular pocket, uh, pan pocket." And I'll say, "I just looked at it." He said, "Now go back and look," and I'll go back and look. That keys will be there. And and you're convinced that was God answering those those simple prayers. It was so real when I, it was one of the one of the times it blew my mind, and that was like a breaking point. Was um, I had a hiccup, and you know normally you get water when you get a hiccup, mm-hmm. and my room is just outside. Like when you enter, it's outside, and so to go and get water, I'm to open the main door, and I might be disturbing people who are sleeping. So to go and get water, and this just then I said, Lord, I don't need to do that. You can stop the hiccup. Immediately it stopped. Immediately. Like it was, it was there that minute and the next minute it was gone. And it was this grace in my life, Wayne, that yeah. he just opened himself fully. Uh, 1980, 1979 is when then God started challenging me. A few of the verses he spoke to me was uh, Luke chapter 5, talking about Peter. He said, launch out into the deep when he didn't catch any fish. Um and for me, that phrase, Peter, launch out into the deep. Yeah. He said, you've been in this edges for too long, launch out of the deep. Mm. Uh, First Kings chapter 18, verse 21, when Elijah before the uh, people of Baal and, is, and challenging the people of Baal, prophet of Baals, he said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If the Lord is Baal, follow him. In 1 Kings 18, 21, verses like that started yeah. jumping at me okay. and I knew I had to make a decision. Amazing. And as an accountant, you were probably impressed with the fact that it was 130, 153 <laughs> fish, right? <laughs> I was. I, I'm more impressed that he left the fish and followed him. There you go. Saying, you know, uh, it's an amazing story. Yeah. yeah. So you, uh, you're following the Lord then at this point in your life. You're a young professional working in India. Did you meet your wife in India, by the way? Yes, I did. It was uh, in the same youth group we met and we knew each other uh, for quite a few years. And then I came we met, got married in 1987. Okay. What kind of positions did you have in India? I was a director of uh, two organizations uh, in India. Uh, they were manufacturing uh, televisions, manufacturing ultrasounds. I was a director of finance, and before that, I was a director of finance in another insurance organization. Very responsible positions. Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. it was. So how did you decide and come to the realization that God wanted you in Canada, not in India? I think initially God worked in my heart in uh, India itself. He, he, I think when I gave my heart to the Lord, going back to 1979, when he proved himself to me, uh, there was a dying totally. I actually didn't care about anything else but serving God. It was literally a place where I said, God, take me wherever you want, do whatever you want in my life. Uh, I'm totally yours. And I hadn't met, I, I think I was, I'd met Sheila, my wife at that point. We were not married. Uh, I gave, it was a complete surrender. Um, and I, I came to know the God who created the heaven and the mm-hmm. earth. And I, I didn't have a chance but to say, here am I. Hmm. So I was doing my CA at that point. I thought I'll quit doing my CA. And the Lord said, no, don't uh, just continue to do your CA. And I, and, um, well, 10 years went by before you left India then. Yes, I did. Someone said, uh, put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. Yeah. That's what you did. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, that's very true. And literally, he showed me the map of India, and he said, you'll be traveling all across India. And then he said, you'll travel all across the nations hmm. and give your life to me. Uh, I did do my CA. I did uh, work in a secular organization. 
but one of the things coming out of poverty uh, is there's a poverty mentality that you need to have money and money was a stronghold in my life. I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, I, I wanted to earn money. I wanted to be secure in my life. Mm-hmm. But God wanted that to be broken. Mm. So when I was working in these few companies in India, the Lord said, I want you to leave. And uh, I was going joining a Christian organization where I have to, earning lower than the lowest paid person in uh, in my company. I was getting married. I was moving to the capital city in New Delhi. And my wife is, has tremendous faith. And she said, God tells you, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wives are like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a great support. So that two years of leaving everything and, and going to India in New Delhi was a turning point in trusting God. You know, I, I had to trust for my shampoo, my hmm. uh, my basic necessity. My, I had a two-wheeler, and it'll run without gas for days and oh. days and days. And uh, that's where God broke me in my dependence on Him, that I can trust God. We'll continue to get to know Peter and learn about the Scott Mission in Toronto coming up on this edition of First Person. I decided to escape North Korea after listening to FEBC's broadcast. I was able to keep my faith firm by listening to your programs. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company. Until all have heard. My guest is Peter Durasami. Peter is the CEO of Scott Mission in Toronto. Uh, I guess it's an inner city rescue mission. Basically, that's what it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And how far back does it go in history? 77 years, Wayne. Okay. 77 years of seeing God's faithfulness. Amazing. So when we left your story, you're still in India. We haven't gotten you to to Canada yet. How did God move you to Canada? So when I was in Delhi, uh, seeing the hand of the Lord, that's when I... Sheila and myself, uh, my wife Sheila and myself, strongly felt God was wanting us to move out. I have a brother in Canada, and uh, he said, why don't you come to Canada, and you can get into Bible college. So we felt the release to leave India. And at that point, we would have never thought of leaving India. I I think God was doing so many things. Literally, the book of Acts, we're seeing in action. Mm, Uh, We loved India, and uh, but we knew strongly God has called us for the nations. And um, so we said yes to my brother. It was very. It was. It was a huge miracle coming, getting our visa to India, because we didn't have the funds, we didn't have the finance, we didn't have many of the things that the Canadian uh, immigration people were asking for. But you had God on your side. I had God actually, <laughs> and it, it's funny. In the end of the day, when we went to the immigration offices, uh, and the Lord said, "Go this particular day," and we did, and we waited for them to finally call us, and they called us. We were the last to go, and basically they said, "We lost all your documents." Oh. And then they said, but we have your passports. We want to give you the visa. When do you want to go? <laughs> so that's how even coming to Canada was a miracle. And we uh, knew it was God yeah. who brought us. So you went to Bible college here at Tyndale? I, I did. We did go to Tyndale and uh, started doing my uh, Master of Divinity. I imagine you had to work at the same time. I did. And uh, we had our first uh, born boy, Johan. At the same time, I was working full time. And uh, I got into Scott Mission at that point. Uh, and it was new. Uh, the snow was new. The winter was new. Uh, the culture was new. Uh, so it was it was good, but uh, it was a challenging time. Sure. Especially the five, first five years in Canada was very, very challenging. Mm. Mm. Uh, 
one of the key things is I was I got used to seeing the miracles of God. I got used to that was normal, uh, and we had a and coming to Canada, it was all of a sudden so difficult uh, living in a new world, and uh, it was a real challenge for me and my wife. But we knew God had called them, called us to, uh, to Canada. Yeah. Uh, you took some pretty humble jobs to start out, too, didn't you? Uh, yes, it was. I mean, my first job actually was at a dishwasher in Tyndale uh, University, and I used to work late in the nights. Uh, we used to, I used to work late in the nights because that's when we cleaned there, all the floors, the the walls, and I was a dishwasher there again, so all the people used to give the dirty dishes to me. Were you resentful at all that you had to give up your professional career in accounting and all that to to wash dishes and mop floors? Actually, no, and I'll never be, I, I wouldn't say that, but I, I knew God put me in that position. Okay. My question was, I asked God, Lord, why did he put me in this position? He, he can put me anywhere. And and one of the things he said is, Peter, look, within a short period of time, everyone who's in the university is coming and giving the dishes to you, and they'll come to know you. So within two weeks, I knew all the professors, I knew all the students, <laughs> and, and some of them came to know, they came to know my story, and within a few days, in a in a in a huge meeting, they wanted me to give the testimony, and God just started opening doors because I was a dishwasher. So, um, from that humble beginning at Scott Mission to CEO, that that has to be another story in and of itself. Yeah, I, there's two things I love about uh, God. Is one is I love the poor. When I came to know the Lord, uh, God has given me a heart for the poor of all nations. Uh, so Scott Mission is is so much hands-on loving the people. We get about 250 homeless on a daily basis. We get about 100 families. We have, take 100 kids in the summer to camp, procession, and, and the list goes on. And I was initially worked as a dishwasher in the kitchen and then moved into men's ministry. Uh, I think it was a setup of God. God wanted me to know the, me to know the poor. In this side of the world, and the other thing is, I love evangelism. I love to tell people about the Lord, and and who else but to preach the gospel to the poor? Mm. So I just those two things are very dear to my heart. That I love the place. I love the people. I love the place. And uh, initially, I was in the kitchen. Then I was in the men's ministry, where I was there for about two years. And the founder's daughter Elaine, she was my supervisor, so she was she was my mentor. Yeah. Really so you had a good one. Somebody yeah. who really knew. Yeah, she was so good in teaching me the culture, teaching me how to love the poor. And I was so new from India, thrown into the front line in Canada. And it was a great setup, and I loved it. Mm. For a lot of people, it takes years or maybe even decades to look back and to see the hand of God. You seem to see it along the way. Is, is that the way it happened to you? I I somehow see the Lord every day, sitting here today with you. Is the hand of the Lord? I I I don't know. I he he walks with me. I talk with him uh, on a daily basis. He's so real. Um, sometimes he tells me what's going to happen in the next day. Uh, but it's I. The greatest joy for me uh, is walking in his presence and hearing his voice. Mm. So I and I know he works. Uh, you know, like Romans is eight twenty eight, where it says he works all things. To, to get for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I really believe that he's working in my life, in my kids' life, in my, we have struggles. Uh, I have many struggles even now. But in that struggle, he is so real. 
Yes, uh, I wouldn't. I I would love to just keep clinging on to him. Give me the word. Yeah. Leave me alone. I would love mm. it just being with him. Yeah, Peter, I'm curious if you ever go back to India. I did quite a few. Uh, nearly every year, I used to go. Uh, Wayne and uh, your family's all still there. Your extended family, my extended family, my mom and dad, and my brothers and sisters are there. But I've lost quite a few of my brothers and sisters and mom and dad. Oh, yeah. But I, I love India. I love the poor in India. My wife goes nearly every year uh, to preach at a particular conference, and we support an orphanage where rescuing girls from uh, sex trafficking. The mama and moms are involved in uh, prostitution, and we are rescuing them. There's so much work to be done in, in India. So I, my heart is connected to India. Mm-hmm. But God's given me a heart for the nations. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's so, obvious. It yeah. really is. Uh, India has been in the news, of course, because uh, Christianity is not looked upon favorably in yeah. India. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about that? There's uh, tons of persecution going on in India. I, I met a pastor very recently, and uh, he works in the northern part of India. And every time they say goodbye bye to the kids and their wives, it's literally not sure whether they'll come back. Mm. And I asked him, how does, but people are coming to know the Lord. And the people who are coming to know the Lord are so strong in the Lord. And I said, how is it happening when persecution is so much? And he said, there's a place, and and a lot of the pastors get beaten up, especially in northern part of India. And he said, after one state, it's over. They don't, they're willing to die. So the level of preaching, the level of faith is different. And he said, Peter, I don't know, when they preach, People just flock and come to know the Lord because they've given their lives completely and they could die and they're not, they're willing to die. So with the beauty of, with all that's happening, there's a beauty of genuine, wonderful people coming to know the Lord Mm. in India. Mm. Whether it's in India or in Toronto, Canada, what do you learn from the poor yourself? What you've done to the least, you've done it unto me. I, I just feel there's, such a connection in serving the poor and seeing God. I have seen the eyes of God and the beauty of God in the poor. And I've seen, they have blessed me so much. And, and I, it's a joy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's just such a joy to walk with the poor and to love the poor. There's a beauty with the, poor, with the people who are so poor. Their faith level is different. Uh, they're broken. And something beautiful to be broken, something so wonderful. And when they love the Lord, when they come to know the Lord, it's so genuine. That's why I'm just, I don't know, God's drawn me to the poor and I love the poor. Prosperity robs us of that, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed um, just ministering to the poor, Wayne, and and ultimately seeing the hand of the Lord. You know, people coming to know the Lord. I think the greatest joy is leading a person to the Jesus. And, uh, and we are able to, in Scott Mission, lead many to the Lord. I love getting to know Peter through our conversation and learning more about his ministry in Canada. You've heard Peter Durasami of Scott Mission in Toronto. He has an amazing heart to help people both physically and spiritually. To learn more about Peter and the mission, please visit firstpersoninterview.com. There you'll find links to follow for the information you need. I'd like to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support of First Person, allowing us to find and bring you these stories each week. FEBC's extensive broadcast ministry is seeing remarkable results in terms of people of many cultures turning to Christ and learning His Word. Your support of FEBC is vital to those who may otherwise be unreached. To learn more about what you can do to help, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash interview. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thank you for listening to First Person. First Person.